Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're continuing with a recent installment of the Cis Seshes. Not to be confused with a bro sesh, but effectively, it's a similar thing. I sit down with one of my friends and we jive about everything from personal relationships to our job. Really, we mostly talk about our job in this episode, but Trish is one of those rare and unique leaders that the military really needs to continue to move forward in the right direction. You'll enjoy a little bit of us talking about the frustrations and positives of military life, as well as some personal stuff, too. Hope you enjoy it. I'm your host, Meg, and this is The Valkyrie Project. In the last, I was telling you before um, we hit the on button that I've been doing cis seshes, kind of like a kind of like a bro sesh but a cis sesh where we're sitting down podcasting in a completely randomized and bullshitting manner but it seems to turn out well so i have my friend trish here today everyone say hi trish hello trish (laughs) it's probably really old people have probably done that before (laughs) i actually wasn't expecting it at all so good job yes um it's a weird thing to say because it sounds kind of serial killery, but I'm always collecting friends that I'm like, this is my tribe and you're in it whether you want to want to be or not. Um, and a lot of those women tend to be people that are, you know, into fitness or have some kind of job similar to the military where it's like you have to put up with a lot of bull crap. Um, but at the same time, you know, it takes... I guess, I don't know if it's a certain personality, what it is, like this this weird inner animal that says, like, I'm going to tolerate this bullcrap because there's some small part of us that's still, some part of this that's still rewarding to me. Yeah. 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 So how's work going for you lately? Um, I don't really work. That sounds, that sounds bad. So why do they give you money then? No. Yeah. <laughs> so I re-enlisted, um shortly after I made six and then I didn't think this was going to be on the table, but my commander, um, he threw it out there. He said, if you want to do the reenlistment option, the incentive, the education incentive, um, you can do that. Uh, usually that's reserved for like specialists, you know, cause you could kind of afford in a platoon of, I think our is like 55. You can afford to have a Joe gone. Right. Um, but as a section leader, that was kind of, or as an NCO, I see that was kind of like taboo, I guess. But it, really, it works now because we are, we kind of are at a surplus for sergeants that they were like, get out of here. You've been in the same brigade for, it'll be six years. So go take a break, take care of you. I'm only, after this semester, I'll be two classes away from my, my bachelor's finally. So Yay. they were like, go knock that out. And then like, you'll never have to do it again, obviously, but. Unless, well, I unless you to. want to, you know, yeah. advanced degree in under ba- underwater basket weaving or something yeah. like that. Well, I, I definitely want to go back to school after that for something that I think I enjoy more. But this one's kind of like, all right, let's just, it's a nagging thing that I just want to take care of. And I it's gotcha. cool. Yeah. So this is something that like, I, I realize there are certain things about the enlisted side that I will never understand because I never walked in those shoes. Um, and as much as I try to, you know, understand, I simply don't. Why is it taboo that you would get to do that, that opportunity? Because there's only, at the time, there was only one, when I started, there was two staff sergeants. And we were 
like that was it. And then everybody else was five, four and the platoon leader, of course. But I was thinking like, ah, like, you know, they're going to need me to do stuff. So I do have to go in and whenever they ask me to like, Hey, we know we're going to be super busy this day. If I don't have class, I'll go in, but, or jumps like jump master stuff. I'll, I'll go and do that. But, um, I don't know, I guess as you, which is kind of backwards to me, like I don't agree with it. Like the opinion that it's, it should be reserved for junior enlisted because then it gives the impression that you, as soon as you become an NCO, you get into the senior NCO ranks, you stop learning or you stop growing. And that's kind of like, that's, it's the opposite. You should have a higher, higher affinity for that stuff. And you should set an example for those guys. That's like, look like, you know, not like, look at me, I'm great, but. But you're still pursuing growth. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, the military as a whole, but specifically the army is, they have systems in place to specifically make sure that some people get promoted and some people don't. And part of that is how much have you been taking opportunities to professionally develop yourself? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's rough because I took like gen chem in like 2010, general chemistry, and now I'm going back into like biochemistry and organic chemistry and I'm lost. So (laughs) yeah. Oh man. I can't even imagine. What is your degree program? Bachelor of Health Science. Okay. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, it's designed to be like pre-med if you, you know, if you want to go to PA school and knocks out all the prereqs, but I'm not sure that that's what I'm going to do yet. Tell everybody what you do. I'm a medic. Damn, Gina. That's really cool. I'm always like, that's one MOS that I'm super impressed with always because, you know, going back to it takes a special person like to help people that are bleeding a lot and, you know, maybe missing pieces of their body and. Yeah. Or just like gross stuff. Like, yeah. Some people like, find blood gross. I don't, but like actual gross stuff. Like the Dr. Pimple that. Popper shit. Yeah. INDs. <laughs> yeah. Some of that. I just, I discovered that recently and I was like, this woman has her own show it on is, TLC. People watch it. Because she exclusively is like satisfying America's need to watch a nasty pimple explode. Or like there's a whole show about toenails. I didn't know this. Cause I don't, I, so I went home to visit my parents and I don't, I don't have cable here but i went and they have it and i'm like what the hell are you watching it was just like a whole show about toe, like people with messed up toes what i don't know do they medically help them or are they yeah like, they do like look t- at the tnr's toenail removals and oh, they, they bring out man. like you know like band saws and like cut i don't know i guess if you're in the feet that's interesting i've been watching um on netflix this it's not called botched but it's like world's worst botched surgeries or something similar. It's basically about individuals who have gone through plastic surgery and it's gone wrong and these doctors fix them. And I'm fascinated by that because I'm like, I have no medical training whatsoever, but I'm sitting here like, oh, they really messed up that, you know, that incision. And now she's got really bad scar tissue and they fix it. But I realized the other night because I've been on nights for a little while or I was, and so trying to come back off of nights, I'm like up till two o'clock in the morning, just watching <laughs> dumb shit on TV. You're all messed up. And I realized the other night, like with the way the house is situated with windows and this TV here, can- it's <gasps> like the people across the way are watching me watch crooked ass boobs and like <laughs> the removal of what is wrong with her <laughs> breast implants for hours. Yeah. Like they probably think there's a serial killer living across the way. I don't know. But I was like, hmm, I should probably have a little bit more discernment about when I would choose to watch the show because everybody can it's, see. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> yep. Well, I have a funny story about that. So not that, like, specifically what I watch on TV. But yeah, um, we were at 
JOTC um, in Louisiana, and I was working in the talk. Okay. This was when I worked at, like, the brigade headquarters for a minute, a year about. And my job was to, like, filter all the information from the units that needed people evacuated and kind of organize that and communicate and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We had this one person who, they weren't organic to us. They were 20th engineers. And she got butt implants before she, like, came to, to Louisiana. Didn't tell anyone. <laughs> Oh, man. And then, like, some shit happened with them. And then she almost died. Oh, my and, God. But nobody knew. And then she didn't say anything for a while. And she was, like, septic. And they were like, what do we do? And, like, it almost was very serious. She had to be, like, air medevaced oh out. Oh, my God. And so, of course, it took her forever to be like, well, I might have had this Yeah, procedure. so they were, like, racking their brains. Like, what's going on? We don't know how this could have happened. And then. Oh, my God. Oops. Botched. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? I don't know. You know. Ugh. I don't know. I guess everybody's got their their struggle with uh, self-image, whatever. Um, I, I think my biggest paranoia, like not that I would ever entertain butt plants or anything, bottom plants, but my biggest concern would be I'm going to age and stuff's going to sag. And at some point those implants are gonna, aren't going to sit where they, were, where they once were and I'm going to have to be concerned about corralling that. Or they could pop. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know much Just about that. Innocently sit down one day and boop. I don't know. It's over. So I wanted to add one last detail. Like, sorry, it's gross. It really is. But it, um, so that story about like people being able to see my TV from across the way, like came to a pinnacle when they were doing a reconstruction of a botched, um, what are they calling it? Like where women get their labia operated on? It's like like vajazzling or some ridiculous thing. I don't know. Somebody else was talking about that because their wife wanted to do it. Designer vaginas. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I was like, this is terrible that someone would do this to her. And yeah, they showed it on the TV. Like they showed everything. Uncensored. So your neighbor saw it too. And the neighbor saw it. That six-year-old playing playing out there. There's children across the way. Got to be more careful. So moving on from plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're mostly, so most of your focus right now is in school. Yeah. How is that going? It's weird. It's like a weird transition. I mean, I'm almost done, thank God. But um, I'm so used to being, my classes are at night, first of all, which is like usually during my normal routine, I go to bed at like nine. If I'm not asleep by nine, like something serious is happening. Because I wake up early, you know, like, got to yeah. be at the meeting before PT so that you could talk about stuff that you are going to just talk about it later. Probably yeah. dealt with at 11 a.m. Right. After so, PT. so um, yeah, they're at night, and a lot of things that I don't deal with usually are, like, being wired after I get out of class and then not being able to fall asleep. So That's frustrating. It's got to mess with your cycle to be active during mostly daylight hours and then have to be on at night mm-hmm. man I actually I don't know I think I would I enjoy academia so you know I I would welcome an opportunity to take a break from the day-to-day grind and like go sit in class again like I was back in college and just like geek out and study and write papers but I think that would be hard to do in addition to like not only just turning your schedule upside down but in addition to 
obligations at work. Yeah. I mean, I've taken classes, like, when I first got to Bragg, I was, um, I wasn't in a leadership position. I was a specialist. So I was going to work all day and then going to class, like, four nights a week. I could afford to do it because I didn't have to worry about, like, putting out this information about tomorrow. Like, as soon as I'm off work, no matter what time, you're like, done. I'm done. Um, but now it's kind of weird because you're always, and maybe this is wrong and it shouldn't be like this, but you're always on when you're in a leadership position. Like you always have to answer the phone and it's like a huge, and that's one of the biggest things I hate about being in the army It's great. There are a lot of things I love about it, but like, oh my God, like I hate my phone. I hate it. It's great, but I, it's an amazing spectacle of technology, but it's annoying. There's a lot of leadership I think too, that doesn't really, um, they don't create any boundaries for their devices or their communication techniques. And so instead of, you know, taking a moment to decide, okay, maybe this information can wait or it's not critical. You know, it's because, you know, I'm the commander and I'm thinking about it at midnight on a Saturday and maybe I've had some whiskey. I don't know. I'm just like painting a picture. That's exactly what happens. Right. Like they'll send out a message. I need to like, tell you this right now. And it's two in the morning. I'm like Saturday. <laughs> I, this could have waited. Why? Your wife must hate you. Slash, I'm really concerned about your personal life right now. Yeah. This is the primary thing on your brain. I had a, um, my very first unit, my troop commander, uh, who shall remain nameless. I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I think I'm safe for a while. But, uh. <laughs> what a turd. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he and Hughie and his wife were dual military with no kids. And they were both workaholics and they could afford to be because they were like in that phase of their career where they're like, all right, we just got to be on the grind every day and then our break will come, Yep, which is understandable. Um, but the issue it created for everyone else was, you know, I'd have like, and I was, you know, in a relationship at the time steadily, you know, someone's at home waiting for me kind of thing. Like I have plans to spend time with my significant other tonight. My hand is like on the handle of my car door at like 1630, 430 in the afternoon on a Friday on my way out. And like, I get a text message that says like 1800 meeting in my office. And it's like, who With the yourself. fuck does this? <laughs> <Ain't going. laughs> like, I thought it was such a dick move. And what made it worse was like, because, you know, I still don't have any kids, but I didn't at the time either, obviously. And so it was like, you know, I can make this happen because I have to. I'm not happy about it, but I can. But it was really screwing over, you know, the platoon sergeants who had, you know, a wife and three kids at home looking forward to them coming home and spending time together. Mm-hmm. And it was always about bullshit that could wait till the next day. 100%, yeah. I For me, like a hard thing that I... I had to learn how to say no. Even That's if, the hardest, isn't it? Yeah, because you feel like you're being disrespectful and it's like, you know, it's insubordination, but you'd be surprised at how willing, like, you always have to remember that's, that's a person. It doesn't matter what the rank is. Like, you could be us, an E4 talking to a captain as your company commander. And if, like, yeah, he can order you to do something, but you could say, like, politely no. Yeah, like, or, I got this going on. As long as you communicate that, 99% of the time they're willing to be like, all right, let's try something else. Maybe a later, later yeah. time or let's find somebody else to do it. But, like, the tendency is that, like, People just don't have a backbone. And like, it, maybe maybe it's not that. Maybe that's harsh, but they're like institutionalized to the point where anything that that person or that, that rank tells them to do, they're like, okay, they're like robot. Right. So I, I think also backbone is something that's like practiced. 
and yeah. learned. Certainly it was for me. Yeah, same. I grew up as, you know, a people pleaser, like, by default. And, you know, in some ways, I saw as a kind of, like, a disease. I would, like, think back on interactions later on and think to myself, why wasn't I more firm with this yeah. person? Like, I would just replay conversations, right? <laughs> replay conversations in my head over and over, like, God, that did not go the way I wanted it to. So I think it takes some practice to get comfortable doing it. But damn if those boundaries are not important because there are people out there that will roll all over you the second you give them an inch yeah and that's been that's been an uncomfortable challenge for me is learning how to respectfully decline or say if you're polite like with all due respect sir ma'am this is horseshit yeah it doesn't make any sense (laughs) with all due respect you can say anything you want very respectfully with fuck yourself exactly you can say whatever you want as long as you have the with all due respect sandwich it's kind of like in the deep south when people say bless their heart yeah i didn't catch on to that for a while bless her heart she's so stupid yeah bless her heart yeah i had to learn how to say no even to like even to like peers it's hard because you want to be a member of you want to be like a good teammate you want like to seem like you're available but then they take that to the extreme and it's the two in the morning like Something's wrong with my butthole. Can you look at it? <laughs> Maybe. On Did Monday, I can. Asked, actually asked you to look Man, at their butthole. if I saved all the... <laughs> you need to start a quote book or like no. a, a medic diary and then publish it under an anonymous name when you get out. Yeah, the title is going to be like, what's wrong with my butthole? <laughs> or why haven't I pooped moi. in 13 days? Oh my God. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's grounds to be hospitalized, right? Like, aren't you supposed to be severely concerned after, they were like, five days? And it, it made sense after I started unraveling the, you know, what was going on. I was like, all right. I'm, now I'm curious. What was wrong? Because I feel like constipation is one of those Poor things. Poor diet, like, dehydration, in an environment where they didn't feel like they could not poop freely because you should never do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it always goes back to poop. Uh <laughs> They didn't feel comfortable, you know, we were in the field, which isn't an excuse because some people just landmine, but I don't like, we're going to go there guys. And I have no apologies to make because we're just, we're going to embrace the Now I'm going to be the poop podcast. (laughs) There's actually. Do it. Send it. (laughs) The one we did before this, the Thanksgiving one with my friend Chelsea ended on a high note with like her daughter t- her little toddler taking a shit like on the floor and nice. her husband cleaning it up and you, you can assert like your dominance you can hear the toilet flushing in the background it's amazing um yeah like people always complain that mres like stop them up it's kind of the opposite for me and i'm pretty sure that they intentionally put a lot of fiber in there so it doesn't happen that way but i remember you know being out for exercises as a cadet or, you know, even early on in my lieutenant, like I have to right now, I have to go right now. Like screw your op order brief. I have to go right now. Excuse me. I'm going to shit my pants. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, MREs are just things that I, when I'm in that environment, like I can't complain and I'll just eat whatever. And they're like, they're not bad, but I'd prefer not to. Yeah, and you have to give credit to the people who are like the MRE think tank and their universe revolves around making sure that your food will keep you alive and be edible and taste pretty good. It's got a lot of salt in it. Maybe that's what 
people's reaction. Maybe, I don't know. There's some science there. Yeah. I just, I get frustrated too, though, when I hear, you know, people, there's a lot of, there's misinformation everywhere, but I feel like especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition and those kinds of things that, you know, lend themselves to human performance, I think there's a lot of confusion. Like, it's difficult for me to, you know, witness a, a group of soldiers going through a training event that maybe at, for, at that particular moment for a couple of days or so is more low key and, and is not requiring them to expel a lot of electrolytes and, you know, exercise heavily. So when their, you know, when their leader stands over them and says, pour the entire compartment, the whole package of salt into your food and eat the whole thing. It's like, that's probably not necessary right now. Um, yeah. I haven't heard, like, I mean, we don't do that where I'm at. Maybe, like, in some in some corner of a very bad unit. This is a very small example. Of <laughs> but I know there's places that do do it, and they do it for a reason, and it might not be right, but it's, they're covering their ass, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at Benning, I'm sure. Or, like, basic training units, trade-off yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know. There's this, I, I get frustrated with the dogmatism is that a word mm. being dogmatic about yeah. something um for me it's like what makes sense you know um i read an article a while back about um is it hyponatremia when people excessively drink water to the point that they can die basically uh, and yeah. it was seen in marathon runners i think for a while because there was a misconception that you just plow water plow water yeah. and not have any snacks yeah um but, you know, this article kind of made a counterpoint to that and said, or it, it was more so like framing, you know, let's refine down all the stuff we know about water. Congratulations. If you're thirsty, drink something. Right. If you're not, you're probably fine. You know what? And that's so simple and I had makes a, uh, all the sense. I had a leader who, what did he call it? He, the, the camelback thing. Like, I understand camelbacks for certain things. If you're moving over a long distance for a long time and you can't constantly, you know, you don't want to like rattle your canteen around. I got it. Um, in the summer. Okay. But like, I forgot what he called it, man. Camelbacks. He was like, he basically compared it to like, they're always like walking around, like sucking on a teat and it makes them <laughs> feel like, like psychologically, like they always need water. Like, no man, you don't like, how do you think the hunter gatherers survive did you th do you think they like carried around bladders full of water while they were trying to kill their prey like no you find it you drink it right move on so but like the reflex of like pulling the straw mm. out and drinking water all the time puts people in a position where when they don't have that they freak out in the heat cat like oh, oh now i'm i'm a casualty because i what yeah even if they I've have water available so it kind of like takes away from what should be your natural you know okay, I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink water. Your balance. Well, they always say it too, like, oh, if you're thirsty, it means it's too late. Eh, not necessarily. You still have some time. Your body's still telling you, like, hey, give me some water, asshole. Like, you know. Yeah. It's it's a built-in type of thing. Um, yeah. I think we, like, often take for granted the body's ability to fix a lot of those problems on its own. Uh, and we had this conversation, too, when um, the last time I talked to Tina, she's our nutritionist mentor in the in the forum, but she's also, you know, well-known in the gym that we go to for her nutritional expertise. But we had talked about, like, detox diets and detox 
processes and all the patches and the crazy things that people use. And I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's easier for me to live my life by the mantra of like, for the most part, stay within certain limits, everything in moderation, and my body will, for the most part, take care of itself. Yeah. I shouldn't have to drink like a mixture of lemon water every three hours for two weeks to detoxify my body because those mechanisms are built in. It's going to like wear away all the enamel on your teeth too. Well, that and probably make my stomach hurt and yeah. knock out my gut bacteria and all kinds of other things like, you know, ruin your gut biome. Dang. Yeah, that's a good, that's actually a really good episode. You should listen to it if you haven't. I'm gonna. The brain-gut connection. I don't know. I uh, don't by any means pretend to know all the answers, but it's kind of. It's interesting it's, stuff. I, I've it like, is. listened to a couple things, read a couple things, but I'm, yeah, I'm not an expert. Like, I know why you crave, um. You crave like more calorie dense foods, foods that we say are like bad for you. Like, so if you're like super hungry and this is not everybody, cause I know p- some people out there are weird and like when they're starving, they're like, I really want, um, like a cob salad. Like, no, it's not what I want when I'm hungry. I want like a steak or like, and a lobster tail Yeah, and yeah. the bread calorie dense stuff and like extra dressing for yeah. myself and like just like a half gallon ice cream yeah. for no reason. Well, because I want to, but, um, cause the whole, and maybe somebody out there knows more than can articulate this better, but there's more than just the long-term, um, mind gut connection. You actually have like neurons that tell your body as you're eating the food, like, yes, this is the key. Like, this is exactly what you need if you're in like a calorie deficit and really? it's an immediate, it's an immediate reaction. Like you start to salivate more. And that's why people say like, oh, when I'm hungry, like that's what I need to eat right now. And they'll, they'll go towards that bad food. And it's, it's not as necessarily bad if you don't do it all the time. But for people who are trying to lose weight, it's like, but I feel like I want this. And you have to like, that's where craving comes from. Hmm. So I didn't know that. But it's pretty interesting because, again. I guess part of it would be like your habits too. Yeah. If you never had that stuff, you wouldn't have developed a taste for it. Right. Exactly. And so it's something that I've found to be interesting too is like as time goes on and there's a lot more research and generally just more attention paid to nutrition and how people are eating i found it an interesting phenomenon that people that grow up in low-income households tend to be exposed to a lot more unhealthy food because it's cheap and it's subsidized by the government so sure it's if you're you know a mom trying to feed four kids and you've only got $10 to spend today and that's it. Your $10 goes a lot farther in terms of, you know, calorie dense food to buy a box of macaroni and a 12 pack of Cokes and, you know, whatever processed meat you can chop up and put in there, whatever you might call it. Or you can get like a hundred chicken nuggets. Or a hundred chicken nuggets, $10. which is not an unusual thing to do <laughs> For some people. I like chicken nuggets. <laughs> I do too. I know they're terrible, but I have my staples. Um, I'll confess that I love me a Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supreme. But I, is that the thing that's shaped like a, like a, um, a hexagon? Sign? Is it? A- Maybe it's octagonal. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's the big like, words. I'm feeling, I'm hexagon? feeling a little mathematical right now. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm trying to visualize shape. it. It's, it's a hexagon. Yeah. You're okay. right. It's not octagonal. Anyway. Yeah, like I guess if you grew up like going straight for the pasta or the soda or whatever. My family had pasta like four nights a week. Yeah, so do we. Yeah. We eat a lot of pasta. And you know, like I wouldn't there's nothing I'll share on here that I wouldn't share with my you know, we you know, had a rough time for a while there and that's you know my parents did the best they could Mm -hmm. um but it took active practice saying like okay i need something green with fiber and you know maybe this protein is better than that protein it's like been a process of 10 years kind of picking through that and figuring out what i actually need to be eating and now my cravings are a lot more in one direction Although, yeah, sometimes only a crunch wrap supreme will do it. Just, just smash. Especially one. if I'm about to get my period. Like Dang. right now, crunch wrap supreme. You need it. You're, you know, repopulating stuff. Is it? Is that I a made real that thing? I 100% made that up. Damn. Because I do notice that. I do know that like, you are. I want to pig out more in the in the premenstrual cycle. Yeah, period. you're stressed. It's a stress hormone. Not to hormone. drop all those puns. But in that pre-period period, period. <laughs> the, the the period of time where I'm I want stuttering, to inhale all the food. Yeah, where you're like all just a huge B I T C H for no reason. I don't get that. Not you, but I'm saying in general, in general. people they're like, ah. I don't get that problem so much as I just feel really fatigued, and my heart gets touched easily by things like, oh, like, like your feelings. Like, the sun is out, and the flowers are blooming, and this is just... So you're going to just cry? <laughs> I don't cry, but I get, like, existential, <laughs> and I feel compelled to write things. Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't been... It's weird. I haven't been blogging as much as I would like to, but lately I've been inspired to write a little bit more, and... Yeah, you know. That's cool, just, though. Like, I get struck by inspiration, yeah. and it's 10,000 times more potent in that, that window time. of time. And then everything that's bad also feels catastrophic. Mm. Like when, you know, you get a certain text message like late at night and you're like, why the fuck is this important right now? Oh, yeah. You get I hate you. I rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the joys of biology. Some people. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that I don't PMS, but I definitely do. I'm just a huge asshole. Like not like, not like passive aggressive, just outright aggressive. Like... I'll get told to do something or asked to do something around the house. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, it's pretty, it's different from what I've heard a lot of other girls kind of experience, but. I guess it's different for everybody. Yeah. The guys go through some kind of hormonal cycle too. It's just not physically, physically manifested in some way. No, they're always on that. That's a constant thing. I'm convinced. You think so? They're so, oh my God. They're so, so in my old company, I still kind of like think of them as my company because I haven't really been back at work since I left them. Yeah. But they're just a bunch of like, they want to appear like really, really tough. Like, oh, we're like infantrymen. Like they're just a bunch of little, little bear cubs. They need like hugs and like little band-aids and kisses. <laughs> yeah. You did a great job at the range the other day, no. Timmy. They're, yeah, they need that. But no, they're awesome. Um, I was thinking though, there's... I was just having a conversation with one of them the other day about, uh, he was like, on all, like they do this all the time. Like, 
I'm on all these supplements and like I'm going to the gym and I'm like, that's good. But they're like 18, 19, 20 years old and like they're all on all these supplements, but they're not eating a an okay diet. It's not even like decent. It's like horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like Chick-fil-A or Burger King or like and, and here's the thing about the defect. Everybody complains about the defect. It's really not that bad. Like you can you can yeah. breakfast is awesome at the defect. Ours at least. I don't know. For those that don't know, DFAC is a dining facility. Yeah, so you kind of have to, like, guide them into this. Like, I don't have time to do this, but if I did, it would be fun. Like, this is this is where all the vegetables are in the grocery store. Like, buy some, and I don't care how you prepare it. Like, figure it out, but just eat them. Because you are undoing everything that you are doing in the gym or whatever, whatever you're doing with your fitness. And it's so much more expensive to get all of that from supplements. Yeah. Like you can, you can't, you can't like you think you are because it says like, oh, this is, you know, this has vitamin whatever in it, but it's not as bioavailable. So your body's not going to absorb it and use it right. the right way, if that makes right. sense. It's amazing how much mother nature works in a way that's yeah. like, oh, well. Eat the stuff that you're, that's, that grows in the ground, out of the ground. And like, yeah, sometimes, not all Micronutrients and fiber and a little bit of carbohydrate all at once. And it'll just go down smooth and yeah. be absorbed. Not the octagon of death from Taco Bell. I'm just kidding. You can have that one. It's a hexagon. Whatever. <laughs> it's a shape. <laughs> Ugh, it's really good hangover food, too. Um, yeah, and I don't think... I don't know. Sometimes the military could do better, too, about educating its people. Um, but then that becomes a frustrating animal because in so many ways they invade parts of your life that you otherwise wouldn't want to share with them anyway that it's like, ugh, that's enough army. Like... If you had, you know, a nutritionist, say, come talk to the unit once every year, once every six months as yeah. a training requirement, yeah. um, although it's kind of an altruistic attempt to get people to do better, it becomes a headache and another obligation on top of a million other things that commanders have to deal with and all the guys being like, oh, I know you told me three years ago to eat my vegetables. I don't give a shit. Doesn't yeah. taste good. Yeah, I mean, like, the bottom line is that we're not in the business of making making grown-ups. <laughs> but that's the irony. That's sometimes that what, what it turns into. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, guys will complain, uh, you know, well, it's not my job to raise a fucking grown man. But if they have that, you know, thing that they don't know and they have no way of knowing it unless you teach them, yeah, it is your job. If it affects the mission, if mm-hmm. it affects what's going on, like, if this dude doesn't, like, literally does not know how to tie his shoes and for some reason he didn't learn in basic or whatever. I don't know. You're going to have to teach him. It's not that bad. Yeah. Just just figure it out. So that's, that's a very distinct differentiation, too, to make between the civilian and military world. It's like if someone raises their right hand at the age of 18, everything's provided for them in terms of, like, basic life necessities. Here's your yeah. paycheck. Here's a place to live. Here's some food. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things that you didn't learn otherwise about how to be a grown-up, you will hopefully figure out in the process or you'll fail. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. They figure it out. Like, it's unfortunate, but you have to think of, you know, we come from all different walks of life. It's mm-hmm. such a stratified group. You don't have, you know, they're not all cookie-cutter, you know, Captain America-looking dudes who show up and they're just ready to go. You know, they're going to have problems. They're going to have emotions are going to have family issues that you ha- mm-hmm. are equally responsible for helping them or equipping them with the tools or even just pointing them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You're just as responsible for that stuff as you are for, Hey, like this is your actual job. This is how to apply a tourniquet. This is how to do this. 
So I think we get lost because that stuff is like. Well, it's so hard to know where to draw the boundary between, you know, yeah. this is a job. Of course. Yeah. And this is my entire universe revolves around being in the military. That's why you really got to like it. Otherwise, it's, you're not going to be good at it. <laughs> right. And it's going to wear your ass out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it still wears tough. me out, but I mean, I've, I've won some and I've lost some with, and I'm sure you are the same. Like you have those guys who you're like, man, I really wish we could have reached them and whatever it was, but they wind up getting kicked out or going to jail or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like, all right. Like, well, no, I mean, I've seen the success stories too. When yeah. People same. step in shit and then realize really quickly that like, they don't want that life. They don't want to be yanked out by the scr- the scruff, so they fix their shit. That was me. They're a rock star. <laughs> no way. Yeah, man. I got an Article 15, like, not even three years in. It was like... Is it something you want to tell a story about, or you're like, nah? I mean, it's it's a... You're going to laugh, but... Article 15, is for those of you listening, is like an official piece of paper that's like slapping you on the back you're of the bad. hand. <laughs> bad. It's like yeah. a rolled up newspaper, but it doesn't go with you forever. It doesn't. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, like when I apply for certain jobs or applications and stuff, like I tell them, I, I don't know if it's anywhere on paper. I'm sure like legal at brigade or higher has it. Um, but it's kind of like in my book, like it's something that I use as an example for like, I, I f- messed up really bad and here's what I did to rectify it. So um, I was a specialist. I was in a Charlie Med, which is basically, you know what Charlie Med is? I don't actually. No? Okay. So it's, it's within a support battalion. So that battalion's purpose is to just support all the infantry, um, right. units with, you know, trucks and mechanics and the aid station. So we have the Charlie Med, which is basically like, it's a roll two, roll two plus, depending on what we have going on. A big aid station that goes to the field. We jump all the stuff in. Um, and then we set up like our ancillary. So we have dental, we have lab, we have x-ray eventually when it all gets built up. Um, so it's a big medical unit. Um, but for the most part, we're just a bunch of pogues. Um, and I was really frustrated because that was my first unit. And I was like, what the hell is this? Cause it was a lot of just busy work or what I interpreted as big, busy work. And my attitude was, was shit. Cause I, you know, I was like, oh, I joined the army to, to go fight in war and like, be a line medic. That's what I really wanted to do, which eventually I got to do, but luckily, um, she got to spend a lot of time sitting behind a computer doing bullshit yeah, it was unrelated like, to your job. I mean, there was some stuff that I, I don't know. It was just a place where there was a lot of like, like cynicism. And I, I hate mm-hmm. the term toxic leadership because it, it is a thing, but people overuse it. So then it becomes like, kind of like a Kind of diminishes. It's like the leaders saying like impact. caveat all the time. Like it defeats the purpose of using it. Or it no longer it. has meaning. Right. Everyone misuses it. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I dropped a packet to go to a certain assessment. Um, they were recruiting me. And so I was really excited for it. And my unit was like, my commander was like, yeah, you can go. <laughs> and this is like six months out. And then as it got closer, I don't really remember what exactly happened, but they decided they're like, hey, it would be best for you to, instead of doing that, we want you to go to BLC. And I was like, what the shit? I've been asking to go WLC, which is the first step in, you know, becoming a sergeant, becoming an NCO. I was like, I've been asking to go to WLC for like three years. Like the whole time I've been here, kept sending these like clowns <laughs> in my eyes. I was like, these, <laughs> like one dude literally didn't want to go, but they're like, you're going anyway. So the day he went, he's like, I broke my back and they just sent him home. 
So that's like the, the type of stuff I was seeing. And oh, man. I think my frustrations were valid, but that I was not mature enough to articulate them properly. And, and I was very hot-headed. So I like I would literally tell a dude, like an NCO, as a soldier, I'd be like, uh, shut up. <laughs> or like, fuck you. Like, no, I'm not doing that, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, like I was bad. I wish I could have seen that. That's amazing. And it wasn't, it, the, the worst part was that I didn't realize people were looking at me. Other soldiers were watching me. So I was setting this horrible example. And when they said like, hey, we don't think you should go to this. We should, you should go to BLC. And you're going to go right now. You're not going to go to this selection. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. And I went anyway. <laughs> I literally left a note at staff duty that was like, bye, here's where I'm at, like, suckas, and flew out. That's hilarious. They called the schoolhouse. They're like, this chick's AWOL. Oh, my God. I got a failure to report, and then they brought my ass back. I got, like, behavioral health, whatever. They When they bring you to the hospital, they escort you to the hospital. They do labs. Oh, my God, Because they thought I, like, just, like, went crazy, which, from the outside, yeah, it looks like I went crazy. Um, but, man, yeah, then I got, uh, I got red, and... They gave me my my extra duty, and I did that. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> and then I grew up. That's like the best story I've ever heard, though. Because sometimes you wish, like, there are rare and few and far between moments when that's appropriate. But sometimes it's okay to lose your shit a little bit, I think. Um, and it has to be the right place and time. But I've never... <laughs> well, I'm glad it turned out well for well, you. Well, I almost but... got kicked out of the Army because of that. Ooh. I have a unique... Unique story. So I was, I had a very short time frame in which I was supposed to be promoted to sergeant. Otherwise, I would have gotten RCP'd under the old rules um, because of my college. Explain RCP, please. Uh, retention control point, right? I think so. Yeah, it's basically like you've spent too much time in this rank. We're going to kick you out okay. because you aren't progressing. But the math was all messed up because I'd only been, been enlisted for three years, which is like normal amount of time for somebody to be enlisted before they come an NCO. But, um, I went to West Point before that. So that counted. And we didn't know this. Oh, shit. And then all of a sudden it yeah. was like, wait, you got six and change years. Bye. Like, if you don't become a sergeant, you're going to get kicked out. Oh. And I had no clue. And neither, no one knew until, like, I went to go re-enlist. That's an unusual case. I yeah, mean, for sure. And, and, like, they helped me out with it. Most but, people that go to West Point come out the other side an officer. I'm not saying that in, like, a hateful way. It's just no, 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 a yeah. rare case. Um. I didn't go all the way through. I just decided halfway through that I was like, nope, done. Not for me. Which What changed your mind? You want the real answer? Be honest with me. I didn't know when I showed up there that I couldn't branch infantry. Oh. And then like, I very quickly figured it out and was like, uh. So then it was a contest of like, what's next best? You know, like uh, engineers, MPs, which like plenty of women and men have branched both of those things and other things and been wildly successful and had more combat experience than, you know, some infantry guys. But that's not what I wanted. And I was pretty set on it, even though I was very, you know, naive. Um, And then the other thing, too, was I had no idea going in because I didn't have any experience on my family. None of my family is in the Army. Um what the difference between officers and NCOs was. Once I got experiences while I was at West Point, um, you know, over the summer, uh, seeing what an NCO does versus an officer, I was like, I think I belong over here. And I talked to a couple people who were, you know, senior officers who were very 
I really appreciate them being so candid and honest and open Mm -hmm. because some of them were like, yeah, you could stay and you could graduate and you could become an officer and you'll probably do really well because that's just who you are. But if this is what you want, you have to be really sure, do it. And that's what I did. So. Yeah. Don't regret it. I'm sure. I don't. There was times like I did when I was a lot younger and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Like one of my one of my classmates showed up as my PL. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> but it's it's like you know we're all people, so you got to do the yeah. army. It's so. weird. I mean, I don't know. I I had kind of a, a not an opposite experience, but I guess something a little different in the sense of I went through ROTC as a cadet and then end up like changing up my plan. I was originally going to be guard. Am I? And then ended up being like, well, I have a lot of student loan debt to pay off. I should probably be on active duty with a real paycheck and Mm. decided to go like active duty and stuff. So in that process, I had to, you know, make a bunch of changes and like switch up the progression of everything. So I ended up going to basic training while I was like right before I went to grad school. And um, yeah, the whole time that every time I had to (laughs) fucking rake rocks... Or fold the corners of my bed tighter, or like hospital corners. Yeah, or which that Stupid doesn't shit. that doesn't happen forever. That's only for nine weeks. But I just it in some ways it kind of enraged me how little control I had over my own destiny, yeah. and it certainly gave me respect for the life that you know a private has to live, especially when they're you know or anyone that's not an NCO lower enlisted living in the barracks with someone else's thumb in their lives at all times, ever, Mm -hmm. no matter what, that would have been really hard for me to do because I'm one of those people people that's like, you need your space. What's the big picture? Yeah. And I have big ideas and I have ways that I can fix the big problem. Um, But the counterpoint to that is, you know, that's, that's why being an officer, I think made sense for me. But the, the counterpoint to that being there's people like you that need to be NCOs because I like you are willing shit. to take, <laughs> the, yeah, like put yourself in people's shit, but invest yourself in them personally, because that's what it is. Like, that's when you put your yeah. heart into a soldier and then they fail. It's like you failed. It hurts. Yeah. It's painful. It is. I, but it's super rewarding. Like that was when I actually became an NCO and started doing that stuff. Um, I was like, all right, like I made the right decision. Even when I was a specialist and I was helping other people, I was like, all right, like, and I still, like, I still tell my guys, like, I'm still learning every single day. It's not, you know, beneath me to ask for even their opinion on stuff. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't yell. Like, I go in there and I'm like, hey, we have this stuff to do today. What do you think? Give me some ideas on, like, what the best way to go about it is. And I don't care if they're a freaking colonel or a private. Like, if they have a good idea, we're going to use it. And that was some of the most frustrating stuff about like being junior enlisted because some, a lot of leaders don't do that. They don't ask for, you know, help and they just, you, it's impossible. We know, we see through it. Like there's no way you know everything by the time you make sergeant or staff sergeant, even sergeant first class first, like you you never know everything. So if you're sitting there putting up like, you know, the front, like, no, like I'm right all the time. Like you're just gonna. That's horseshit. Yeah. And the way I see it, it's, it's poor leadership because- 
If you know anything about how human beings tick, part of that psychology that's so important is to understand people invest themselves in things where they're allowed to flex what they're good at. Yeah. Um, they have something to offer and they're allowed to, you know, offer it. They're going to like, I love that. And it makes it easier on you too. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that's like, here you go. Great <laughs> idea. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. Um, I think that was the biggest part, one of the biggest parts that I've enjoyed um, about Softland, which just, you know, in some ways, like distinct from the conventional army in that, like, there was a conversation once where, you know, there was a bunch of officers sitting around a room, like discussing, well, this is my opinion on this or that. And this is how we can make things better. It was kind of like a, like a town hall discussion. And, you know, we were all soft officers. And one person said something along the lines of, you know, no one knows what the standard is and that's why no one meets it because there's so much gray area when it comes to stuff that in the rest of the army, it's basic. Yeah. Like you salute a person that's an officer or a person, you know, an officer that outranks you. And if you're a private, you stand in parade arrest for a corporal or a sergeant and you call them yes, sergeant, no sergeant and just, you know, basic stuff. Um, and there was discussion about how, well, there's probably acorns falling on the roof. Sorry. Oh, there's no crawl space up there. So you can hear everything. Like I can hear squirrels skittering across no the way. roof in the morning. Yeah. In the morning it's cute. At night it's terrifying. Like someone's breaking into my house. <laughs> it's, a rabbit squirrel. <laughs> yeah. it's a huge raccoon. Just like, or especially when it's a big old fat squirrel <laughs> that falls out of the tree and just bump on the roof. You're like, who's trying to break in right now? That's awesome. I have on a couple occasions grabbed my pistol off the nightstand and like just done shooting. laps around. <laughs> no, I don't shoot. I just do laps around the house shouting, I have a gun, I'll kill you. Your neighbors probably see that too. And it's a squirrel. <laughs> the neighbors think I'm This lady watches crazy. butts on TV <laughs> at all hours of the night and then <laughs> stamps around in her with her pistol. Yeah. With the laser on because I want oh. the bad guy to see it first and run away. Oh, God. What the fuck? What was I even talking about? I don't even remember. Some guy said oh. that something about saluting. I remember now. And it was basically like, you know, if you let people get away with the basic level stuff that they're doing wrong, um, then they continue to take, and you know, a mile where you give them an inch to the point where they're insubordinate and this and that. Um, and, you know, my diverging opinion to that was, well, we often find ourselves in unique profiles and stuff where... Um, you know, you might be working in an embassy yeah. and if you trust your E6 enough to talk to a colonel in Central America or something, like if you trust them enough, they're probably mature enough for you to let them have some autonomy. And yeah. it's it's a weird animal because some people come from conventional and they're really bothered by, why isn't everyone saluting me and why aren't we doing PT every morning? And I honestly loved that. Like, yeah. I you know, and maybe... You know, there was always a question about whether I would stay in the army or not. And maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe I was never like fully cut out for it because I'm like, standards and discipline. We literally just It had depends. My answer day. for everything is it depends. Yeah. No, that's that's a good answer. That's I think that's the right answer. And a lot of people are uncomfortable by that, though. Because they're like. Because we need stuff on paper. It needs to be black. And I need rules. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean. I've never been fired from a job, so. That's good. <laughs> I think <laughs> I must have been competent, but. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much as, like, as conventional as it gets. 
over where I work. Which is nothing wrong with that. It just, it was an interesting dynamic that you brought that up, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's different. I love, I mean, there's a lot of things that I like about it. And to me, like the stupid bullshit of like, okay, I'm walking six feet from this door to this door, but I happen to be outside. Put on my hat. Put on my beret with both hands. Put down everything that I'm holding. <laughs> because inevitably, there's forbid, an energy drink and bags God, in this hand. God forbid you take those six steps. <laughs> you might as well be like the dude from Enemy at the Gates. Like it's <laughs> Because there's probably a master sergeant or first sergeant sitting in his truck in the parking lot. Sniping for you. Yeah. Hey, like put your cover on. You're like, oh shit. Okay, let me put down everything. There's just a yard sale. And like it's just hilarious. Like, silly, silly stuff. But that's. I mean, for me, like I'm so institutionalized at this point that it's like, okay, that all that stuff. I get it. I don't. I'm not like a like I said earlier. I'm not like the one looking for it. I'll be like, oh, I guess we are supposed to do that. But to me, it's like second nature. So I probably have to shake a couple of those. Huh, I guess it depends on like, just it depends. I already said that. Uh, it was weird to me to be in the schoolhouse and go to the what, what is essentially the special operations DFAC dining facility. Um, I'm going to explain all my acronyms just in case we have some curious listeners out there that aren't in. I want them to understand the full the full gamut of all the hilarity we're talking about. Um, but I would go to that particular cafeteria and. You know, I'm at this point, like, not a senior captain, but I've been a captain, like, for three or four years. You know, I've been in for a minute. Um, it was severely offensive to me at first when uh, a multitude of all ranks and all grades and all kinds of people would walk by and just not salute. And sometimes there's a no hat, no salute zone, and that's a practicality issue because yeah. everyone's mixed in to get in a gaggle and you'll never get anything done because you're smacking yourself on the forehead every you're just like seconds. stand there. Right. Um, but it's a hat. Apparently, it's a hat zone. Everyone's wearing a hat. But apparently, it's not a no salute zone. I don't know because some people, like, one day I go, I, I ate there every day for breakfast and lunch, and one day a specialist like, good morning, man, like, oh, return the salute. And the next day, a whole gaggle of privates walks by and just doesn't even make eye they contact. They were like, <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, sometimes it's like an E7 Green Beret with his hat on and make direct eye contact, morning, ma'am, but not take the time to pick up his hand and do a salute. And I'm like, what is happening in this work universe? I'm not sure if I should be mad about this or not. And it was just, you you should take an adventure to the SWIC DFAC and just see what happens. It's bizarro land where you're not before. sure what and i think especially because so many students go there and eat there through their time and like ait or whatever and their initial training is you know new people and soft it's like to some extent i think that sets a precedent so those people that really feel comforted by their rule book you know like no wonder you know we're not forcing we're not standing there forcing people to follow drill and ceremony in the very primal beginning yeah. of welcome to soft land you don't have to salute anybody and you can grow your fucking hair out and just look like a complete slob and it's cool and yeah there's just do whatever there's a gray area for everything i think i think like yeah you, you have to be clear like there should be a sign but there are also i think there's something wrong with walking by another human being you don't have to salute them or whatever but like and not acknowledging them like, if it's just, if you're, like, super busy and it's, like, a crowd, it's, like, a New York City street, okay, that's fine. But if you're, if it's just, like, you and one other person and you don't at least say, like, good morning or, like, 
hey, or like make eye contact, be like, how you doing? Like, I I get mad at that. Oh man, you would hate me then. Cause there, I, I like, but, but like, are you like doing like the walk? I've, um, taken a special interest in understanding like the way people tick. Yeah. And sometimes I play social experiments without telling people. <laughs> you and ice them? <laughs> not in a weird way, but like. I'm not a bitch. Not I just, a- I'm purposely not talking to you. <laughs> You're just beneath me. Yeah. Um, for example, in that particular neck of the woods. There are egos. There are egos everywhere in the army and the greater military, but there are a lot of egos in that particular neck of the woods. And you can tell sometimes by looking at someone, if they're, you know, 40 yards away, the way they're carrying themselves and looking around at others and looking around at other things tells you a lot about how they see themselves. Oh, and even if you watch people's behavior patterns in terms of we're in a narrow aisle in the shopette and we're walking by each other in opposite lanes of traffic and it's tight. So one of us has to yield. I found myself constantly yielding. You gotta like, and I was like, I finally one day I was like, no, fuck no. I'm just going to walk in a straight line <laughs> and see what happens. And I probably come off as like this super frigid bitch to complete strangers. But I'm like, nah, I'm going to own my space. <laughs> It just depends on the day. Sometimes yeah. I'm really friendly. And other days I'm like, I can tell this guy's dick from 20 yards away. I'm not even going to make eye contact. I'm going to pick my chin up a little bit more. Like, you're not better than me because you're a green hat. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. But I'm probably also imposing a lot of my own biases. And like, I have nothing wrong. I have no, for, for public service announcement, I have no issue with Green Berets and Special Forces. I have a lot of friends in that section of the world, but... Damn, if I haven't met some people that are assholes in that section of the world. Yeah, I mean, there's assholes everywhere. I just think it's funny when, like, you see somebody. I like doing this on purpose. You see somebody who is like that, and you're like, I'm the most serious motherfucker on the face of the planet. And then you're like, hey, like, good morning. And you can say rank or whatever, but sometimes I purposely don't. And just by, like, looking at them and, like, smiling at them, like, I don't have to be, like, derpy, happy, you know. (laughs) Pippi long stockings all the time, but it yeah. disarms them to the point where they realize, like, all right, like, I yeah. need to walk around with. And I have ass. made a lot of connections with people that I later ended up, you know, being friends with or whatever, or having a good working relationship with when I was willing to yield a little bit because they weren't. Yeah, actually, like, now I'm, that I'm not going to play it, along with your asshole game. It's funny you say that because a lot of people that I'm very close with now have told me the same thing when they first meet me. Depending on the environment, I'm a huge asshole. Or I come off like one, or I look like I'm just like not. So here's my take on that, if you'll allow me to elaborate. I have on numerous occasions been told in my throughout my life, you're really intimidating. I didn't like you at first because you're really intimidating. You're a butthole. And I took that personally because I'm like I, I generally wouldn't describe myself as an asshole. I think I'm I think I'm too nice a lot of times and mm-hmm. it gets me in trouble slash does, is not productive towards making boundaries sometimes. Um, but like intimidating. I'm like the nicest person ever. The first time I ever ta- w- talked to you, I walked up and was like, hey man, what's going on? Nice yeah. to meet you. This class is crazy, right? Like that's just who I am. Like I'm in a new environment. I'm going to make, make alliances with people because it's just, you know, it's what human beings do. It's also weird when people watch you. Like, for them to have watched you and observed that you look like you're an asshole, it means that you weren't aware. Why are you paying such close attention? Yeah, Yeah, like, if I knew you were watching me, I would have been like, 
don't be an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> what a if you don't harder. tell me that you're watching me, I'm and not going to be able to control it. It's, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because so, you know, I, I got to a point finally, eventually, where I was like, man, fuck this mess about I'm intimidating. I'm not responsible for your insecurities. I am who I am. Yeah. I like myself. I'm not going to, like, throw my hair over my shoulder. I am not going to adjust my behavior to make you more comfortable the moment I meet you and I don't know you from Adam. Yeah. Like, you got to figure that shit out yourself uh, and be a grown-up about it. And like, maybe I'm intimidated because I'm lacking self-confidence and I should practice. I don't know what. The point being, I'm not going to feel bad about it anymore. But, yeah, there was... I, not, I ran another social experiment when I was going to flight school. <laughs> it's like, everybody tells me I'm intimidating and, like... I don't know. I'm just going to do an experiment and just be really quiet for like the first couple of weeks and just like be a fly on the wall okay. and observe other people. Yeah. Right. That should blow up in my face too. Cause like six months through flight school, everybody's friends and buddies are like, Oh, we thought you were a frigid bitch. Cause you wouldn't talk to anyone. Oh. It's like, I never avoided anybody. It's just nobody approached me. Yeah. Like I can't win. Can't win. It's for so losing. weird. Socializing is so strange. I'm not good at it. I disagree. You're super nice. You're easy to talk to. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not... I feel like a nerd. Not to totally shut you down. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to think of... So, somebody somebody brought up something specific. So, my friend Jenna, right? Like, we met each other in an environment where, like... It was at pre-ranger at Bragg. And, like, I was in the zone. I was like, oh, I go to ranger school. So, this is very serious. But, like, two days in... I always start like that. And then, like, two days in, I'm like... Like... (laughs) Like running around being like, the funny one and, and like goofing like, off. Hey, stop laughing! This is not fun, but it's it is fun. Um, I kind of tend to do the same thing. Yeah, actually. like you always go in there with your stone cold face on. Like last. no, no, it's not but, a good coping mechanism either. You gotta yeah. You sometimes gotta, you have to laugh when it's funny. Like, exactly, and it drives cadre nuts because they're like, "Well, I guess it isn't hard enough." And then they're smoking you, and you're like, "Oh, still laughing," <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't work out for me all the time, but sometimes. Um, yeah, but when I met my not not Jenna, but when I met my wife, I was at selection, and she was like, "You are a huge turd," because I just didn't talk to anyone. Oh no! Like, yeah, but now we're married, so I guess <laughs> it. Whatever your technique was, it worked. Yeah. Well, I I think eventually, like, we helped each other out. Like, I told her, like, you know, take your rank off because we weren't supposed to be wearing, or we didn't have to wear rank, and you know, I was like, maybe you wouldn't be such an uptight something if you took off your starting first class rank. And she's like, oh. <laughs> She still wears it around the house, though, because I get counseled. She's going to hear this. I hope she doesn't listen. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Dan has heard plenty of, like, our own hilarious marriage stories via podcast, so it's fine. Yeah. It, you just don't... The technique is you don't say something on the podcast that you wouldn't tell them in their face. Oh, no. This all And is. so, I'll, you know, I'll offer this up. Like, I tell people all the time, I'm the household six. He knows what's up. I'm not the household six. I mean, we kind of both wear the pants, but I wear the pants. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm outside wearing, like, you know, a rake and a, and a lawnmower. <laughs> that's what I That's what I do. I do extra duty on at my house. <laughs> Is that what happened to you? I see you have scratches and in the background. That's my freaking dog. Like, he thinks he's, like, a, I don't know, like an antelope or something. Mm-hmm. He jumped on me. He, I need to he loves you. He does love me. I was doing yard work earlier, and... Damn, if it isn't hard when, like, the spouse is gone and the whole, like, dynamic of people's roles gets shaken up. Like, yeah. there was a time when Dan had to be um, out of the country for nine months. And I was 
in school at the time. So it was actually kind of convenient because I had to be in a different headspace anyway. I could have yeah. study and stuff. Yep. Um, and, you know, have my head in the game more so than usual. But um, keeping a damn household running by yourself is hard. I, man, my heart goes out to you, ladies and gents out there that are single parents or even single pet owners because, like, shit's hard. I would, I would come home like during language school and be like, who the fuck left all these dirty dish? Oh, it was me. Crap. <laughs> I've been eating food for five days and not cleaning anything. Like, and then there the normal, the things that are normally damn things, you know, there's just stuff like dinner is usually a Meg thing. The yard is usually a damn thing. And every now and then both of us will roll our eyes and stamp our feet and get annoyed with the other. And the other will be like, all right, fine. I'll help you with that thing. Yeah. It's normally your job. But, <laughs> Dang, it's hard when the other person's gone. Yeah, I um, so I didn't grow up with a dishwasher. We just didn't really use it. I don't. I can't even remember if we had one the whole time, or we didn't have one. I don't know. Well, there was a phase when they first came out that they were expensive. I feel like my grandmother didn't buy one until like I just had never the nineties because it was kind of like meh. Yeah, that's like a luxury, expensive, and like this is not because we couldn't afford it, but like microwaves, we just kept breaking them because we're little heathens and so my parents were like no i'm not getting another fucking microwave because you're gonna put something in it that's not supposed to be in there i think my brother put like a, um like a something tape. metal i don't i don't remember <laughs> what it was but like i remember a, a point where i realized it was weird that we didn't have a microwave and i was like well why because we break it uh, anyway i don't do laundry in my house so yeah and not because i don't know how or like i'm not willing to but that's like a her thing and a little bit I mean, like, if, if I come home from the field and, like, there has been times where there's literally, like, handfuls of sand pouring out of my pockets, I'll do it. Because I, like, usually hose it out offside, outside first. But all the kitchen stuff is usually me. Most of the outside stuff is me. But not because I want to, because I'm told to. But mm-hmm. I like the kitchen. I like, like... You know what they say, happy wife, happy life. Mm. I need a I need a rhyme for happy husband, happy something. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Husband. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. But it's true. Like you want to be right or happy. Like you want to argue about it or I argue have a healthy relationship. I argue back, but then I just get like <laughs> I lose. Get shut down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, at least though. you know it. Oh yeah. At I least know. you take ownership of that. It's like, I, I try not to break things, too. You've said to me, this is kind of unrelated, going back, like, you've said to me a couple different times about, like, your family, that your mom raised heathens or something similar along the lines. Was it was it you and brothers? Or? Three brothers. Okay. Yeah, all younger. You were the oldest? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. So See, do you think that, like, your personality molded them or vice versa? Both. I think, like... You guys were, like, crossing the streams of feral children <laughs> into this, like, perfect storm of... We were... I mean, I I think what it was was that we were almost, like, too, too smart for... Like, man, I, I probably should not tell this story. It's fine. I made a bomb. Hashtag when you're not sure if you should say something during a podcast. When I was, like, nine or ten. You made a bomb? Yeah. Was it, like... Actual I, explosive material bomb yes. or like... I'm- so I was unsupervised on the internet. Oh, shit. I was <laughs> never good. I remember starting on Ebombs World, which was like... I remember. If, if you don't know what that is, that means you're really young. 
Because Ebound's world was like... How old are you? 27. Damn. All right. It was like before YouTube. I'm older than you. Remember? Yeah. But not that. I do remember. Anyway, I, st- I remember starting there because we wanted to look up that like Harry Potter puppet video, which is innocent enough. Yeah. That's I- a classic. And then we wound up somewhere else, me and my brother. And then like he wasn't really, you know, instrumental in it. I was really leading this charge of let's build a bomb. I don't know if I had seen another video where I thought like this is fine. But the video I remember referencing was like they threw it into a swimming pool. We don't have a swimming pool. Nor do we have a space where I should be doing any of that or touching any of the things that I touched. Or even entertaining, like, the possibility of doing said thing. No. No. So my garage, like, I was rifling through my dad's stuff in the garage, like, just a myriad of caustic substances and dumping them into this, like, (laughs) (laughs) old cranberry juice container. (laughs) And then I remember, like, I I broke into my neighbor's backyard and they had a hot, or they had a hot tub or a pool. I can't remember. It was, like, two houses down. And I sold the chlorine powder. So I used that, and there was like a bunch of other. <laughs> you are really like I was like I said top rate criminal right now, and I was like local. I had such a healthy respect for authority. Like no, I, I was always afraid of getting in trouble. I wasn't bad. Like I had good morals. I just I was curious, and <laughs> I messed up like the concoction somehow to the point where um we gave up because it like it wasn't exploding, and we're like what the shit. So like I just threw it. In- <laughs> just threw it in the garage and it was in the middle of it was like july it was the middle of summer oh my god um and so my when my mom came home she opened the door and i guess like the pressure changed or whatever or had just been heating up in there for so long that it literally <laughs> blew her out of the garage and then i was <laughs> oh my god me and my brother were like playing doing something somewhere else and i remember hearing it and being like eh, what was that oh well and like continuing on what we were doing meanwhile there's like gas and fucking smoke oh my god the, my mom calls like the police and i uh yeah that's how at I, what point did she question you or did she ever figure well, out it was my you? dad came home from work and he was like i know it was the children he made me put on his bunker gear and clean it up eventually and then they made me they're like you don't respect our household so you have to sleep outside in a tent oh shit <laughs> i don't remember how long it was it was like not that long but did your have was your dad kind of drill sergeanty? No, he was just he was never in the army. Extreme measures for extreme fuck ups, kind of. Yeah, thing. like I deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like we didn't, you know, we we got spanked. We never got. Uh, you know, it was the punishment was respective. It, it, of anymore, it depends on who you ask too. Like, yeah, like, there's everything. One of my brothers would be like, "Mom and Dad beat us," and I was like, "I I got like you know, I got it." I sometimes. got squatted. Yeah. Yeah. Wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, but I think that that builds character. Yeah. And I think it just depends on the kid, too. I was too afraid to get in trouble. And like I said, you know, t- like constant, constant people pleaser. So I never, ever, ever got in trouble. What? I had to. Um, it's funny to like do podcasts like this and talk to my friends and kind of compare notes on how everybody was raised and how they impacted their personality and how they ended up here doing this job that we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I was content to stay indoors and color and play with my Barbie dolls, and, like go outside. Ew. And it wasn't until like I started playing sports in high school that I realized I could be athletic or gritty. And it yeah. wasn't until, the army became an idea 
and I entertained that idea that I was like, I can be tough and I can get dirty and it's fine. And, you know, the challenge was exciting. Yeah. And it became, you know, over time, it became less and less about, you know, being a girl or, you know, being feminine or anything. Um, Like starting exercising in my fitness journey and CrossFit had a huge impact on, you know, how I see myself and, you know, who I wanted to be, I guess. So I'm a far cry from what I was as a little kid, but I kind of got that indoctrination in reverse Whereas I meet, you know, women like you are like, I came out of the womb burning shit down. I'm like, this bitch is mine. <laughs> I wish I didn't. I'm here to dominate. Like, yeah. I wasn't always like that. I had to learn it. I was just, I don't know. I had, um, like, I played baseball till I was like 16. Which is so fun. With not softball, boys. Baseball. Yeah, because I... I think I tried at some point earlier, like when I was like 10 or 11, my dad was like, listen, you know, like girls are supposed to play this. And I tried and going from like the level of play was just so much lower. I was, it was way behind what I was used to. And I was like, dad, like I don't have anything against these girls, but like they're out there in the outfield picking flowers and not even paying attention. Like I want to go back to baseball. So he would, he let me play till I was, I think I played till my senior year, but then of I, high school. N- yeah. I wow. played, like, um, like there was never ball. any issues with the team coaches or I anything didn't play like for school. Oh, okay. And then I played when I was, I only started playing varsity softball in the 11th grade. And then I wound up getting a D one scholarship for that. Um, Hell yeah. That's awesome. Eh, it didn't work out, but like, I'm glad I did it because it taught me a lot. Like, you know, we weren't the best, but you have to still try stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's easy to, I've been thinking a lot lately about, you know, I was talking earlier about blogging and like, I got inspired to write something and, um, I've been going through an injury with my knee for the last eight months and it keeps bringing me back to this idea of identity and depending on how you frame it, it can be a really useful thing or a really destructive thing. Yeah. And in the sense where, you know, perhaps if you had stuck so firmly to the identity of, you know, being a baseball player, you might not have engaged the potential to try softball. Or maybe if you were so stuck to the identity of being a softball player that when inevitably you had to stop playing or decided to stop playing, it would be some kind of like earth shattering thing. My grades sucked. That's why I had to stop. I was just oh, like really? not able to. Yeah. And eventually for me, it was like, I remember having that meeting with the coaches and being like, no, that makes total sense. I'm not here to play softball. I'm not here to I mean, I'm here to, like, get good grades, but eventually, like, I want to be in the Army. That's not why I – I'm not here to be an athlete. And if it's, you know, breaking up other stuff, then I should just stop. So – yeah. but I can understand how, like, like I have a lot of cousins, and even my brothers are really, really – like, my youngest brother played lacrosse in high school. Um, they won state championships in New York two years in a row. That's awesome. Very, very good. Most of his teammates, you know, went to college and played lacrosse, and he got he got a scholarship. He went – and then he decided, you know, like, I don't want to play. Like, there's stuff going on here that I never anticipated. And, like, honestly, there's, it's drama, and I don't, I don't want any part of it. I'd rather focus on classes, and he wants to go to law school. I don't know if that'll be the same when he graduates. But, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, I could understand how you just kind of – you identify with a sport or a hobby, and then it goes away, and you're like, oh, like, what, yeah. what do I do? Yeah, and for the sake – sorry, I cleared my throat. For the sake of complete transparency, you know, like it, it was kind of a mind screw to, you know, be told 
the cartilage in your knee is falling apart right at like essentially the same moment I started the Valkyrie project. Dang. Which revolves around cartilage in your knee, physically preparing women for, you know, challenges. Um, so that's been, you know, something that kind of has messed with my head a little bit. Like how do I still be a good role model and still, you know, walk the talk, but also take my own advice that I would give to any of my athletes that would, you know, saying, if you have an injury, you should rest and let it heal because it's not smart to continue to squat when your knee's the size of a melon afterwards. And that's an ongoing struggle. Like I noticed that even through, you know, times when I had little injuries back when I was still doing a lot of CrossFit stuff, like I'd test the boundaries too much and get, you know, smacked on the back of the hand in a pretty epic way and Mm -hmm. be like, I just set myself back a month. I should not do this anymore. Um, So it's been an interesting balance. I think I'm in a better place now than I was in the beginning. I think, you know, I still have a lot to offer um, the community that I want to serve. But if anybody's interested in reading that uh, blog, it should be up today, which will definitely be up before the podcast is because we have to edit it. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, injury, life changes and stuff, sometimes like getting too fixated on what your identity means or not framing it right is difficult. Like, you know, calling yourself, I'm a swimmer. When that swimming life has to end, that can be devastating for some people. Yeah. But if you can frame it as, I like being, I like being athletic and I'm strong yeah. and I'm committed. And those things are things that you can keep forever that don't go away no matter what, you know, difficulties you face with injury or having to quit a certain aspect of your life. Yeah. So you don't like, get to pick that I, stuff. For sure. I think, I think it's okay to totally f- like dedicate yourself to something because through the process of, you know, deciding one that you're going to dedicate yourself to it, you know, everything that you're doing in that time period is going to contribute in some way, shape or form to what you ultimately hope is a successful outcome. Right. Um, but through that process, you like, you're learning stuff about yourself. Like, okay, this works for me. This doesn't like, do I need, if I'm studying something, do I need to be shut myself in a, in a quiet room or do I need to go to the library public space with a little bit of white noise? Like, you know, um, and I think, uh, I think although I didn't realize it at the time, um, like sports, sports are good to focus on, uh, but don't make that your whole like who you are. Cause like you said, once you lose swimming or you lose tennis or you lose volleyball or whatever it is, what's left. Yeah. <laughs> and the body has, you know, the body has limitations yeah. certainly. But I think people who have gone through that process of dedicating themselves to one thing or maybe two things or whatever it is, then they just continuously get better. And you, you look at someone who's just wildly successful at, oh, man, who was it that I was, that I was talking to? Um, they did the CrossFit Games thing, but they also had, they were very competitive in something else. Whatever. But you get what I mean. You know, like you kind of hone that process of like working towards something. And then if you decide to change whatever it is, that's all you're changing. The process is the same. Yeah. And I think you have to, I mean, I completely agree with that, but I think you also have to always keep it in perspective that your life will change in ways that are unexpected and difficult and surprising to you. Yeah. And being able to take that in stride without falling apart at the seams because it's not what you expected. Um, I think is, is definitely a good coping mechanism, especially like 
it's funny to look back and see how far I've come again. Like talked about being the little girl, like coloring and playing with Barbies. My life is a far cry from that right now. Admittedly, I still love to color. I'm an artistic person still. And I kind of express that in the kitchen more than I do anywhere else now. Yeah. But like, you know, that people change and sometimes it's, it's okay. And it's a good thing. And sometimes you're on Facebook and it'll be like, look back on this thing you said 10 years ago. And, and you're, you're like, like, I was an idiot. Hell no. What was in my Delete head? that. What was Never in my show brains? me that again. <laughs> what was in my brains just then? I mmean, all ex-spouses aside or ex, you know, <laughs> yeah. lovers or friends, whatever aside. Like, why did I decide on that why day 10 that years ago the- <laughs> that that particular rant was appropriate? Yeah. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I've definitely had moments like that. Like, there's a picture out there. Of me like smoking a cigarette, drinking like I don't know something, Jameson. Yeah, and I'm like, God, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just look like a wild. Uh, I don't smoke anymore. I mean, like I don't. I never like considered myself a smoker, but if we went out or we were like partying, like Ugh, I did the same thing all through college. Yeah, and it's repulsive. Like, but when you're what? wasted and you're 20 years old, you're like, this is a good Dude. idea. <laughs> I'm 33, and once every year and a half or so, I'll have way too much fun, steal a cigarette from someone, yeah. and Dan will be like, ugh. I can't believe you. You're disgusting. <laughs> like, yeah. I know, I hate myself for You're it. You're not going to die. That's so funny. <laughs> Man, tobacco. I do hate it, though. Like, I get so mad when people smoke. Like, my commander was doing it. We were about to step off for, like, a 12-miler, and it was it was, like, 3 in the morning. It was, like, dark as fuck. And I just smell smoke. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't think about this. I just blurted it out. I'm like, who oh, the fuck is smoking in this <laughs> formation right before we're going to do a Because you mile. couldn't see because like, it was your commander. It's like, Doc, shut the fuck up. It's me, O'Toole. Shut the fuck up. I'm like, all right. Sorry. Womp. Sorry, sir. <laughs> womp, womp. Yeah. Oh, man. I started, I started doing the CrossFit thing before I started doing the Army thing. And I had to go out for... As a cadet, I was attached to this National Guard unit. And so, uh, you know, one weekend a month, two weeks a year, whatever it is, we had to show up. So I was still a cadet learning how to be a cadet. And super duper, way excessively bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, way too excited to be a new CrossFit coach. Oh, Like, wow. just give me some fucking Kool-Aid and a tracksuit, because I was there. And I show up to this APFT for a guard unit. Like, I'm not trashing on guard units but this particular one was hilarious like bad hilariously bad um like bags of yogurt just flopping around not so much that as it was weird to be taught one thing about what like rank structure and career progression looks like in rotc and then go see like a 50 year old e5 yeah but that those things happen yeah um so it was just bizarre and then you know people would like really important leaders in the unit would like come in super hungover and you're like, Oh, mm, well, I guess okay. this is okay here. But we had to take an APFT. We had a P- uh, an exercise test for those that don't know. Um, and we're in the middle of the two mile run and there's a dude flopping and huffing and puffing next to me. And like, you know, coach Meg was like, you got this, keep it up. And like, I said that to him. And then later on after formation, we were all changed. He was like a Lieutenant Colonel and like, ACU pattern stuff and thankfully he was really nice but I'm like oh I probably shouldn't go like <laughs> never talk to me again <laughs> probably shouldn't go like undermining really high-ranking people that I don't know who they are by I don't know it's just awkward like yeah it's the feeling I get when a 15 year old waitress calls me sweetie like no just no 
don't. I can see that. It's awkward, right? Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Like, I could be your mother if I had had you as a teenager. Don't call me, sweetie. Easily. I could have birthed you. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't hit puberty until I was 22, but... Me neither. If I had any eggs. Yeah. If you were. didn't either? You were I was, like, bloomer? super late. Oh, I, thought, I was still growing until I was, like, I don't know. I was, I was weird. I recently went home and reunited with a bunch of old um, track and cross-country friends. Mm. And everyone that I used to know, I'm like, gosh, you look shorter but maybe it's because i didn't have a growth spurt so i was in yeah. college those are i still talk the only people i still talk to from high school are my track and cross country teammates everybody else i'm kind of like oops it, man it was really cool to see all those guys again and it's funny because some people just like they look older but they just don't change at all yeah they're the same and it's refreshing <laughs> yeah like my, my old coach had the same accent bob crowley if you're listening you sound exactly the same <laughs> and it's awesome it was a good time maybe he's listening I, I sure hope so. Um, I get a lot out of these podcasts. But yeah. I feel like there was something else I wanted to add on, but we've been kind of stream of consciousnessing, which is yeah, fine. There's no structure. That's how I like it, though. I enjoy that it's kind of amorphous. Like, it's not octagonal, but it's amorphous. Mm, that's a good reference from, from 40 minutes ago <laughs> when I didn't know the shape of a cut drop. <laughs> We're idiots. Well, I think this is probably a decent place to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being here. This was fun. This was cool. I had a good time. For those of you listening, uh, we always want to hear from you. We always want to get your feedback. So please check us out. Go to our website, ValkyrieProjectUS.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as ValkyrieProjectUS or Twitter as ValkyrieProjUS. As usual, do today what others won't, do tomorrow what others can't. Thanks for listening.